Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. We had a little break there. We didn't break up. We just had a break. No. Never. Never, ever. Um, so, I have nothing pithy to start off with, and there's no need because we want to get right to our very special guests that we have. This is like 80s old school party line. <laughs> We just outed ourselves as old people. <laughs> they already know. Our listener that, already knows. I don't knows. think that's the problem. Oh, the, the, I don't think that's the problem. It's the nature of the party line that's the problem. That's true. <laughs> did you guys? Did you guys have party lines? I don't remember party lines. Maybe I'm a little. Uh, sure. Maybe I'm a little sure. younger. I think sure. you're the youngest one. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I think he's lying, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Reboy, so, how old are you? I'm going to be 45 in, uh, yeah. what, next week? You're Aww. barely right. a Gen Xer. You're barely a Gen Xer. Barely. Yeah, I come in right at the, right at the, um, right at the end. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm spiritually a Gen Xer, but, like, there's, uh, <laughs> there's some unavoidable millennial uh, traits, too, that I'm kind of ashamed of. But, you know, what are you yeah, going to do? We, this we isn't know. a psychiatry uh, uh, appointment. Well, it's sure? great to have Dave Reboy. He'll be representing the voice of the millennials on our on happy hour today. <laughs> <laughs> and then our other special guest is the fabulous Lee Smith. Both author um, wrote the book ba- that the plot against the president is based off of. I think the perpetual coup, right? That's the name of your other book. I've read both of Lee's books. Permanent. Seen his permanent coup. Permanent coup. Okay. Same thing. Yeah. Basically. Um, So this will probably be the most based happy hour that's ever been recorded (laughs) in history. (laughs) So we wanted to have Dave and Leon because we wanted to talk about the big bombshell yesterday that is not getting any mention from uh, the corporate media, which is that Durham the special prosecutor appointed by Donald Trump so long ago that you may not remember his name has made a very important arrest yesterday. And we've gotten some more information confirmed, I would say, because much of this stuff we already kind of knew, but now it's in legal documents, which is the actual origin of information that was in the Steele dossier. And Basically, the Steele dossier just just like straight out of the Clinton campaign. It wasn't there were really didn't come from Russia sources. So, Lee, give us a quick summary of what we got yesterday with this new Durham bombshell. Well, I just well, first of all, it's great to be with you guys on the most uh, based uh, happy hour ever. Um, so, I do want to say that there are. If you scan social media right now, you can see a bunch of dingbats, including naturally never Trump dingbats who are saying, oh, yeah, no, this is definitely Russian disinformation. Um, These are people apparently with not terrific reading skills. And it's also people who appear to be more comfortable saying, yeah, we here at never Trump got fooled by the Russians rather than saying uh, we backed the Clinton campaign, which was single-handedly responsible for this hoax, for which they used the FBI to commit crimes 
as well as all sorts of extra unconstitutional abuses, including violations of Fourth Amendment rights, surveillance of, 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 of a political campaign. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to lead it into with that. There are some people who are going to fight this forever. There are some people who are just plain ignorant, but there are some people who are going to fight this forever. And we see some of this coming out now. A lot of people will continue to say this is Russian disinformation. This has been the FBI's play, and this is this was built into the operation, right? To say, oh no, we got fooled by the F. We got fooled by the Russians. We never did anything bad. We uh, operated in in good faith. We were worried. Who wouldn't be worried if you see a presidential campaign, and you think he might be working with the Russians? So we just did our job as 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 G-men, just the way Elliot Ness would have wanted us to do it. Um, that's not what happened at all. What we saw with the with these with the arrest of Igor Danchenko uh, is it's Clinton's all the way down. That's who it is. We've known this since October 2017. The Clintons paid for the dossier. The Clintons hired all these people to do it, and that's what happened. And again, we see the the handiwork of not only a, an ugly political dynasty, but one of the most corrupt institutions in American history, and that is Clinton world. These people are disgusting and repulsive, and there will be nothing lost by excising them as soon as possible from, uh, from public life. They're disgusting people, and we hope that there will be more Clinton world people, including FBI agents, who will be indicted and arrested as well. I'm afraid I didn't, I didn't go into – we can go into more detail on the indictment and stuff later. I, I just thought it was important to point out because people are already fighting this. You know, they're saying, no, How no, are no. they fighting it? Like, what are they saying? Are they saying Durham's – like, are they, no, are they saying, saying that – they're saying it was they're saying it was the Russians who were behind it. Remember, this has been the play. <clears throat> this has been the play for years. They built this into the operation. They were going to blame it on the Russians. If you scan social media now, you will see people on the left and people on the right, the never Trump crowd. And they will say, yeah, see, that's what I've been saying. This uh, started in Moscow. It was a Putin operation. Right. It's nonsense. What they're doing is they're exculpating not only the uh, FBI, they're also exculpating the Clinton campaign. And of course, since all of them in 2016 were pulling for Clinton, some of them um, openly, others by default, right? They were pushing for, they were pulling for Clinton. They were supporting Clinton. They were writing on behalf of Clinton. Um, so now when, it, now when there's yet more evidence how corrupt their candidate was and how corrupt the entire institution of Clinton world is, they are nonetheless continuing to say, no, 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 it was the Russians. This is not the Clintons. It's the Russians. Okay. But like Igor Danchenko, they, they, they're charging him with lying because he got his information from not Russians, but right. from a Clinton operated operator who, who passed it on to Christopher Steele. He got Jenchenko got information from now. I can't remember the name of the Clinton guy it has a, quite the Clinton pedigree, too. It's not it's not it's not yeah. disputable about that. 
And Danchenko passed that information along to Christopher Steele. He didn't get information from any Russian. So how are people saying that this is just the Russians? Is it because Danchenko is Russian? It's partly because Danchenko is Russian. Mm -hmm. It's partly because Chuck Dolan, the guy who was feeding him lots of, you know, just tidbits from his engagement with Russian officials, both in Washington and Moscow, they're saying, oh, yeah, see, it started with Russians. I mean, again, these these people are counting on the fact the important thing is these people are counting on the fact that are that your only news source ever will be Twitter. Right. That right, you don't right. have to read anything. Just if you post something on Twitter, that's the news. And that's what Russiagate was in lots of ways. Right. It was it was a it was a it was a, a Twitter feed for for three years or more. It, it, it It's ongoing. Right. But that was the same thing all the time. And the, the, the main overarching tweet was collusion. All right. It's just how you how, how it was filled in, how Trump actually colluded with um, with Putin this time or with this new breaking story fed by Fusion GPS or one of the one of the corrupt thugs at the FBI. So unfortunately, it continues. You would like to think that finally people are like, I get it now. I see it. It's so clear. I should have seen this four years ago when uh, House Intelligence Committee uh, uh, found out that it was the Clinton campaign and the DNC who paid for the dossier. They should have been saying it four years ago. Nonetheless, they are going to continue to push these lies. And it, again, it's important to remember, it's not just the left. It's also never Trump. Julie, anything to add? Explain, because you are the expert, who Igor Danchenko is, um, his relationship with Christopher Steele, his relationship with others at the Brookings yeah. Institution. Just so yeah. people, you know, this is a new name for even people who have followed right. uh, Russian collusion generally. Um, but I also... I think we have to take a minute to laugh at George Stephanopoulos because it was so obvious <laughs> with his whitewash of Christopher Steele that something was up. And um, I just like to get, you know, Dave and Lee's thoughts about that interview. And it's hard to think that that interview was just to get ahead of the Danchenko indictment. Like there's more coming. But anyway, explain a little bit who he is and then how this all ties together. And then your thoughts, David's thoughts on where this is headed. Well, I'll, I'll just say very quickly about the about that um, Stephanopoulos documentary. You know, one of the people who participated in that, um, one of the P- a- a- ABC um, operatives, a, a woman named Julia McFarland, she tweeted out thanking um, who Matthew Mosk, who was the producer, another guy at ABC, she said, thank you for including me in this three year long project. <laughs> and a lot of people, their jaws dropped. Um, three years. Wow. Um, so they had that. They had this project teed up as a uh, as a as an instrument for three years. Right. I don't know when they spoke to Steele. That was probably relatively recent. But mm-hmm. they've been working on this for a while. And this was they broke it out when they thought that they would need it. And so that's that's what happened. Yeah. Danchenko was a guy. This was a guy who was a researcher at the Brookings Institution. He was a colleague of, among others, um, the execrable Fiona Hill, um, <laughs> who was one of the, you know, yeah, one of the, I mean, you know, I, 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 I said yesterday to someone, I, I, a, a congressional official, I said, oh, she's just like another one of these creepy beltway succubuses. 
And he said, oh, it's, he said, oh, he said, oh, it's much worse. She's much worse than that. I'm like, what? Is it worse than a succubus? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So she, she, it was Fiona Hill, apparently, uh, reportedly, who introduced this guy Danchenko to Steele and also introduced Danchenko to this um, Clinton world creep, Chuck Dolan, this now PR executive in Virginia. Um, so she's really at the middle of this, which is not that surprising, right? I mean, when she came out there, she was an impeachment witness in fall, winter 2019, and she showed her real um, loathing for Donald Trump at that point. And, and you know, uh, my, my colleague and the woman who uh, directed Plot Against the President and, and dear friend, Amanda Milius, <laughs> Amanda was saying, like, I, I can't believe. She, she tweeted this yesterday. I said, I can't believe that this woman was actually working in the Trump White House. I mean, it's absolutely insane. So it wasn't just I, and I'm sorry for meandering a bit here, but this this is a very big problem. And, Julie, I, I, I know that you've commented on this as well. It's not just the fact that, you know, uh, Trump hired people who were incapable or unwilling to fulfill and implement his agenda. There were people in that White House who were act real enemies, right? I mean, people who wanted to destroy him and who, uh, who, 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 who destroyed him, right? And, and, and hurt the country very badly. And so Fiona Hill is clearly one of these people, right? Why she was hired, why she was brought on, why no one understood what was going on with this Cretan. Um, so she was the person who introduced Danchenko to steal. Danchenko is just some... I mean, he's uh, he's he's just some Russian guy who, like a lot of foreigners who come to Washington, uh, you know, they're, they're, he was just on the make. Right. That's what Washington is. It's for foreigners on the make and for Americans on the make. And they're passing around, um, you know, money and and sex and professional networks. That's what Washington is, America. It's a creep show. Um, <laughs> you know, so. Dave and I had fun there, though, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we we did, and I mean, the, and this 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 chat is like a uh, maybe a toned down version of of you know one of our Thursday night dinners. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. when when, when Julie is in town, and yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I think that like I I hesitate to. I know exactly what you mean, and you're right to the extent when you when when you say that this was a Clinton operation, and of course it was, but um, I think it that that explanation leaves out what you just described, which is this massive constellation of, yeah. you know, Brookings. Um, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, right. I, I, I call it the um, the the NGO archipelago. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, just that's this, that's very elegant. Yeah, yeah this this <laughs> massive um, uh, like you know, money laundering. Right. This massive this, network. There's, yeah. There's, look, an I've, infrastructure that basically launders money. And gives it to quote the right people right. with their and their fake NGOs, their non-government right. organization, non-governmental organizations. Right. right. And, that's, and that's that's what's so, what such nonsense about the uh, for, um, Foreign Agents Registration Act, which was a part of Russia Gate. David Lofman at the DOJ used this as a weapon. It's a joke. I mean, if you're really going to go around and stop people from working for foreign powers, that I mean, I, I, everyone's in jail, right? I mean, everyone's got yeah. a plea. Washington exists for no other purpose than to set up shop for people to peddle influence. That's what Washington is. So, 
Yeah, no, yeah. look, I mean, I agree. I don't want to put I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth here. I'll just say kind of my opinion is is mm. it, it which which hasn't changed really since the beginning of this um, or or at least since the time that we started seeing the outlines of, of, of this, which is that um, it's a the, the entire system of expertise, especially when it comes to Russia, is incredibly corrupted inside the Beltway. And it's corrupted primarily because of, uh, um, you know, because of financial incentives. Look, if your if your subject is Russia, and you want a job in, you know, inside the Beltway in a think tank or, or you know, for working for um, a, a congressional committee or something like that, I mean, maybe you know, committee is different, but. Um, you know, or let's say you're a journalist, what 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 have you? You really you don't have an infinite supply of folks who are willing to underwrite your efforts in that regard. You basically have on the left, you've got you know George so the George Soros constellation, and you know which is which is uh, you know vehemently anti-Russia, anti-Putin. Um, on the um, and on the the nominal right, you have the the, the Paul Singer coalition, which is vehemently anti-Russia, anti-Putin. You know, perhaps for you know overlapping reasons, perhaps for for conflicting reasons, but that's basically it. So so the only um, the only incentive you have if you're concerned about this topic is to take a position that's vehemently anti-Russia. And what ends up happening is like I, I can tell you from from years being inside the Beltway. Um, and dealing with with folks who are kind of subject matter analysts professionally is there's something that happens where they lose perspective and they 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 seem to think that only their particular enemy, you know, only the guy that they study is, um, you know, is is capable of boundless evil and, um, you know, and is probably behind hiding behind every rock. You know, so so there's nothing that, you know, so this perspective ended up um, infecting a lot of the never Trump people. And, you know, they saw both never they saw both Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin as as folks who are who are just like, you know, as 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 evil as evil can be. The very definition of, of 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 horrible, which meant that sort of axiomatically these people you know, if they're capable of anything, they actually did do anything and everything. And it's this really shitty analysis that was able to infect um, a lot of people. And and I think that there's, I mean, the jury's still out person by person as who knew that this was all bullshit and who, uh, who was, um, you know, snookered by their own personal hatreds and fanaticisms and, 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 and bad analysis, et cetera. I personally think, and I've always thought that more people earnestly believe this than, um, you know, than didn't, at least, you know, I mean, I'm not talking about the, the actual players. I'm not talking about the, the folks who did, um, you know, who, who did this stuff, but like everyone outside that sort of on the periphery. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, they, they, they earnestly did believe it. And as Lee said, they'll probably still believe it, you know, as, as, as dead enders for, for a long time. Yeah. And, um, well, it's not getting, I mean, this is Durham's indictment yesterday was, is not getting a lot of press, you know, the way the same amount of press and the same intensity of press that the, the four year, five year long allegations got every day, all day long, over and over again. And, you know, a lot of people have kind of moved on, right? I mean, they voted for Biden, 
for stability. I mean, they didn't get that. They got a diaper load of poop in front of the Pope, but nevertheless, that's the, they wanted, you know, they wanted to go back to the new, new normal of respectable people. This so Pope they're not really may have deserved that though. He may have had it coming. Good to point. Him. Yeah. I'm fine with Fair. that. Okay. Yeah. I'll give it, I'll grant, yep. I'll grant that. Um, but I think a lot of people, I think there's a large contingent of people who don't care, who believe that by any mean, by any means necessary, you know, and then, yeah. and so well, I have a question for you, Lee, and then maybe for you too, Dave, what about the FBI here? Right. I mean, what do you think that, did you think the FBI knew that this was all bullshit and that, that Denchenko was getting information from basically like David Isakoff's writings or whatever, because I believe in the charging in the indictment, um, it's that the information that was passed to Denchenko from the Clinton operative, which is stuff he'd read in the news. So do you think the FBI knew what was going on? Or do you think they really believe that, you know, there was a legitimate real threat from Russia? I agree with Dave that there are a lot of people inside of Washington who really believed it for and for a number of different reasons, because, they, I mean, their industry profited. Right. All the Russia experts, some of whom David and I know and have at different times called friends, um, they profited from this because anyone who could come and talk about Russia or Putin or uh, what, uh, what a compromise or <laughs> however they, they put it to sound like serious people. I mean, they all did well. Right. They got they got contracts. So it was to their advantage to believe this and to act as if this were true, even though quick, you know, just 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 a quick reality check would have shown the whole thing was absolute nonsense. Right. The FBI, I think there are probably people who were so who were probably so caught up in their own information loop, they probably believed it. But I think the people who were running the operation at the FBI, people like McCabe and Strzok, no, because these are these are actually relatively actually talented professionals. Right. And if if you look at the, if you look at the dossier and again, this comes down to people not reading the dossier starts with this one claim. Right. Um, that Trump has been uh compromised by Russian officials for at least five years. And who's the source for that? Well, it's a former it's a former Russian intelligence chief, former senior Russian intelligence official. Now, even if you're a dingbat, if you're working at the FBI and someone shows up and says, we think Donald Trump might be working with the Russians. So really, who says so? A Russian spy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Right. That, I mean, there. this is the whole thing. This doesn't pass the smell test. And that's what I mean. You want to go to all these people and say, you really think it was compromised by you really think this was run by Russian intelligence? How stupid are you? The reason that it got through is because everyone at the FBI knew it was a Clinton operation. They knew the Russians had nothing to do with it or else on the very first page, they put that down and they go, man. You, you, you need to stay away from uh, you need to stay away from vodka during working hours. This is not good for you and it's not good for the bureau. You know, so, no, I, I think that the the people, the senior people who were running the show, they knew it was nonsense and they knew on whose behalf they were running the operation. They were running it on behalf of the Clintons. Right. This is the woman that ever, or, or the organization that everyone expected to return in full power. To running to running 
the U.S. government. I mean, remember, the Clintons had been there. The Clintons were operating in Washington since, for, I mean, at that point for a quarter of a century. I mean, the FBI was used. The FBI was used to clean up a lot of Clinton garbage, right? That's what Hillary Clinton's email story is about. Oh, boy, Hillary's got a problem with the emails. What are we going to do? Oh, don't worry. It's going to be fine. It's really bad if any of these go public. And that's what Russiagate is, right? It was how do they cover Hillary if any of those emails go public? Obviously, they must have been really bad because this is what they did. Said, we need to know. And that was the reason they spied on the Trump campaign. We need to know if the Trump people are going to use any dirt that came from Hillary's emails. So we got to spy on the, on the campaign. That's what we need. And you know what? Even better, if we can get something from the Trump campaign that we can use against them, right? Something related to Russia, because that'll drive home the whole operation. But that's what it was. The whole operation was just an, everyone thought that Hillary was going to win. It was a defensive operation. The FBI was protecting Hillary. It, I and mean, it's just astonishing. But this is what's been going on again since the Clintons came to Washington, D.C. They use all of the institutions under their control, whether it's the FBI, whether it's the State Department, whether it's the White House. How do we advance Clinton world interest? So the idea that the FBI didn't know what was going on, no, that they thought maybe it was Russia. Right. There may be some lower level dingbats who were brought into this. But the people, the top people who were running the show, they knew what it was. That's why it was tied to the other investigation, mid-year exam, which exonerated Hillary, right? Exonerated Hillary of, 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 of mis, uh, mishandling classified intelligence. There's a reason the same people were in, involved in those two investigations. Lisa Page, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, right? Comey. Well, I guess they're kind of in a weird position, not in a weird position, but they're in a sensitive position because they they, they thought Hillary's going to win again. Right. And if they didn't join in, then she would come into power. Right. And then they were like, what's going to happen to my ass? Right. And people are very right. predatory in D.C. They only care about, you know, advancing and their power. So they were probably figured it was a sure thing, because remember, we were pretty much assured by at least the New New York Times, I think it was 95% certainty that Hillary Clinton was going to beat Donald Trump. So, I mean, it, it, in that very little piece, it makes sense, um, definitely. So, Dave, what about you? Do you, what do you do? You agree with Lee? Sure. No, I mean, I, I, I yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, it's, uh, it's insane. I'm, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm pretty shocked about this Durham stuff. Um, I didn't think that he was real. I thought he was basically a hologram. We've only seen one photo of the guy. I was like, you know what? I, do I have proof that this guy actually exists? I don't. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and, and it has been interesting seeing the media just completely, uh, completely deep six the news of, of, of any of this. And, and I think, I mean, once once it starts to get close to someone that they care about, then they're going to reverse gears and say, okay, here's, here's a Trump loyalist um, uh, uh, prosecutor going after, um, you know, wonderful people who, who, you know, wonderful people who, you know, risked it all in order to pr uh, protect America's, you know, vital national security and, you know, all the, all the kind of super patriot BS that, uh, that we've, we've heard for so long. 
Look, the other temptation, too, from these people is that 2016 and the Russiagate investigation was the first time these this cast of characters has been able to play Super Patriot like ever. Um, Good point. You know, I don't know, like what, since the 20s? You know, and 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 that's a you know that's a thing that I think they always kind of low key um, resented and felt jealous about is 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 being the you know it's 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 one thing to be the outsider when you when you topple stuff but like what they really wanted was they wanted the ability to kind of represent power they wanted to be in control and now here they were and. Um, and their sort of ability to do that and the media's ability or very, you know, very strong willingness to stand up, uh, you know, shoulder to shoulder and um, and, uh, and 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 and, you know, protect these people and and, you know, protect unbelievably corrupt uh, practices, you know, from the top on down at, at the Department of Justice and elsewhere in the national security apparatus. Um, it was, it's just, it's just kind of, you know, I mean, it's just shocking. And it's, I think it's actually shocking to them. And, and my favorite illustration of this ever, I think, is that idiot, you know, I mean, like low IQ, uh, Asha Rupak, Rup, Rup, uh, you know who she is, right? Yeah. 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 And I don't want to, you know, it's obviously not an insult on, on Indian names, but I just, uh, (laughs) I, I have a, I have a hard time. Is it just her yeah, name. yeah. I mean, you know, I have a hard time taking taking her, you know, seriously I, I, enough, I, even to learn her name. I love I love that Dave is Dave is covering himself like, look, I don't I'm not I don't want any problem with the uh, with the with the, <laughs> with the, uh, with the Indian, Indian American community. No, no. I mean, I have you know, you know we're so low. Well, yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, they, you know, I, they, any anyway. Well, so I think in 2016 or 2017, 2017, she had this great tweet and she was teaching, I mean, absurd as it is, she's like teaching a course somewhere, probably at Harvard. And as part of the um, as part of the the, the the syllabus, she's got the um, the the Yuri Bezmenov video. <laughs> and I just laughed so hard. I'm like, OK, here's the thing that was, you know, that was. The video was made by the John Birch Society. Um, I don't think I don't think it's fake, but like still, it's got that provenance. You know, it's it's got like John Birch Society provenance, and here she is, like sort of promoting it and pushing it, and 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 of course, you know, many of us on the right are also, you know, have also been been uh, uh, talking about this video, and and it's just for for you know many many years. So it's just it's just funny how um, how all this stuff converges into this this weird soup. Um, and, and, and there's definitely something there, I think, psychologically about their um, their their desire to be sort of not anymore on the outside and to be super patriots. So what happens next? I know, you know, just from a legal sense, I think there are a lot of Americans who want people higher up than Igor Danchenko or Michael Sussman to be criminally charged basically with perjury because at the end of the day, you had top officials, Jim Comey, Sally Yates, Andrew McCabe, Rod Rosenstein, Dana Buente, who signed a application 
looking for a warrant to spy on Carter Page and by extension the Trump campaign. They deceived a federal court not once but four times using this dossier and using the Yahoo News article that was also sourced by Christopher Steele. Um, so what is there? How can how can they get away with this? I mean, if you are allowing top DOJ officials to deceive a federal court, sign under penalty of perjury, under penalty of um, perjury, which they do. It's a sworn document. As Lee knows better than I do. How can they get away with that? Do you is there any chance that Durham? I mean, you could see from the indictments people that he's named. Um, obviously it looks like fusion is in trouble, Perkins Coie, but what about government officials who had this power and abused it for political, for political purposes? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 a lot of people, I mean, we all want to see it go to the FBI and there are some people who are getting, I mean, what we don't know is what kind of arrangements or what kind of red lines or unspoken uh, unspoken limits there might be for the Durham investigation, right? You can go after this yeah. kind of people, but you can't go after these. I mean, you can't go after the national security advisor to the president of the United States. You got to leave Jake Sullivan out of this. But, you know, you can go after Clinton's former press spoke, the campaign's former press spokesperson, Jennifer Palm. I, I, we, we don't know that. Right. But one of the things that people are concerned about is they look at the Sussman and they look they look at the Sussman indictment. They look at the Danchenko arrest and like, so what, we're not going to get any of the people in active, um, active bureaucrats, people inside the agencies. They're not going to get anyone at the FBI. And that is a concern. I'm optimistic and I'll, and I'll tell you why. It's because of the, it's because of yesterday's indictment. It's not just the fact that Danchenko may be looking at 25 years for these five counts of lying. I mean, you know, the guy definitely has to wonder, do I really want to do 25 years on behalf of these people? Why? Why wouldn't I talk about um, Christopher Steele? Why wouldn't I talk about Glenn Simpson? Why wouldn't I talk about, you know, whatever I whatever I know about the FBI? Right. And so I think that those 25 years, I think I think the idea that he may be looking at 25 years will focus his attention a lot. And there's a lot there's a lot to focus on. What I like about the indictment, if you look the way the indictment opens, I, I, I find it very encouraging. Right. Because you remember how the, the press, the entire press operation all the time is it's to say, no, no, no. It has nothing to do with the dossier. It has to do with George Papadopoulos being overheard talking <laughs> about Clinton's emails. Right. Yeah. Right. The the this uh, this uh, the charging documents yesterday. I mean, they don't say anything about Papadopoulos, which is what I mean. It starts by saying the FBI opened up this investigation July 31st. Uh, starting in July 31st, 2016, in the beginning of the month of July, uh, the FBI started getting information from Steele. And then they go through the whole thing. Right. But what Durham is saying, what I believe this indictment is saying, like, right, the whole crossfire hurricane op op operation, not investigation, was about the dossier. That's what it was. It was all based on the dossier. And it was all based on these reports. And here's how these reports came to be. Right. So. That tells me he's looking very closely at what the FBI did, right? And, and 
it, 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 people are right to be worried. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, a law enforcement uh, professional, so I, I, I can't speak to this with that kind of experience. And people are saying, wait, I don't get it. So he's using the FBI as a platform saying, well, Danchenko lied to the FBI like the FBI didn't know what was going on. Like Michael Sussman went in and lied to James Baker. Baker didn't know the score. They knew the score. Right. Of course, Baker knew. And of course, Michael Sussman was told, take it to Baker. Right. That's what that's what we want people to start talking about. Right. We want Igor Tanchenko to say, uh, well, we want him to say a whole bunch of things. We're like, hey, these were my instructions. Well, who told you to do this? Write up this document. And who were you supposed to take this with? Who did you meet with? What did Simpson say? What did Steele say? What did they say about the, the FBI? So that's these indictments, these inre- arrests should prompt people to speak. And that's the way we want to see it going. Definitely, we want well, we want people who were in government, the people with badges and guns who broke the law. We definitely want them held accountable. We definitely want them in orange jumpsuits, 100 percent. That would just be a dream come true. Yeah, I I think so, too. I mean, because at the end of the day, like, you know, political hacks are political hacks and they're liars and they do dirty tricks. And like, that's one thing. And you can hate them and and, and everything. And, and, you know, and and we do. Um, But it. The national security apparatus buying into this willingly and. Mm using it offensively is what brings it to like that that's what brings it to another level frankly that's what completely disillusioned me um from (laughs) let's say to put it to put it gently um a a lot of the things that i previously believed about the country um and uh and to see these people not um not face justice in any way and in fact you know continue to prosper is um you know, it's just I, I think it's just too much to bear for for a lot of folks who've been following this issue. I ag- I agree. I think the most horrifying part of it is is not going around pitching opposition research to right. media outlets because everybody does that. It's that you would think a neutral body of law enforcement like the FBI that has use of the most comprehensive and aggressive tools at their disposal. Mm is not some kind of check and balance to say, hey, you know, this is this is political propaganda. This isn't actual intelligence or, you know, actionable intelligence. And that that didn't happen because I think a lot the bureaucratic class here in D.C. is um, are really just political activists. They're not neutral civil servants. They I they obviously don't care for these civil rights protections and safeguards that the law has for the regular Joe, you know, to protect them, to make sure that their civil liberties are respected and observed. And that shit all goes out the window when they think that it it's for the their greater good. And yeah. I think that's a lesson that a lot of people can't swallow, right? Especially a lot of people um, who were raised with the idea that we were, we respect, thank you for your service. Right. You know, it's, 
that kind of thing. And then to tell them, hey, these people are actually your enemies and they will throw you to the wolves without thinking twice about it. And they don't they don't care. Um, I mean, Julie, Julie has seen this as I mean, you know, reporting on the January 6th stuff. I mean, this is right. I mean, it's terrible what happened in Russiagate. They go after Carter Page, Michael Flynn, Svetlana Lokova. I mean, all these different people. But Julie has seen the the, exactly the the law and order, the, the the Americans who support order. The Americans who support the military, what's happened? They've been targeted by precisely these people. Mm-hmm. I think it was the natural trajectory that only a few people saw, myself not included. You you really thought that these powers would simply be focused on Donald Trump, his family, his associates, then Republican lawmakers. But to see them now use these powers even more egregiously against hundreds of Americans, most of whom thought they committed no crime on January 6th, mm. and most of the overwhelming number, 80%, who are charged with low-level misdemeanors, trespassing, disorderly conduct, et cetera. Um, but because they paid no price, because the FBI, DOJ, yeah. was let off the hook with Russiagate for years, um, and But you see the same coalition. We can't, of course, none of us are going to do this or have, have done this, is the media's role in perpetuating Russia collusion um, and the, das- the legitimacy of the dossier and helping bolster that calls for Robert Mueller's special counsel investigation, also supported by most Republicans. Um, I mean, it's just tissue after tissue of building this up and how destructive it was to the country, um, how it definitely influenced the outcome of the 2018 election. There's there's polling on that, that uh, Robert Mueller special counsel, of course, they dragged it out as long as they could. That helped turn Congress over to the Democrats, the House at least. And um, but you see the same factors playing out in January 6th. I'm just curious how as people confront this and now there's actual indictments, criminal indictments, if people are going to now recognize this is the same playbook on steroids, really, of what uh, the government did to uh, initiate the events of January 6th and now certainly using it, uh, weaponizing it against Americans with help from the national news media. Um, I, I That's one of the reasons why, I mean, I think that, you know, we'll, I mean, the four of us have been talking about this for a long time. I mean, this is why I'm, I'm hopeful that Durham is able to push far and get uh, law enforcement officials or retired ones like McCabe, like Strzok, like Page. I'm, I'm optimistic. The, the frustrating aspect of this investigation was it didn't happen before the election. And yeah. what was important about it happening before the election was not to go after Donald Trump's political opponents. The important thing was to show that, look, you will get in trouble if you interfere with an election the way that these people did in 2016. So if you try to pull the same stunt in 2020, you're going to get in trouble. That didn't happen. So there was not only uh, monkey business 2020 mm-hmm. um, before the 2020 election. I mean, we saw how the intelligence services uh, – uh, coordinated with the press, like the letter saying that Hunter Biden's uh, laptop or the information <laughs> was all, you know, then these are former former top U.S. spies. But mm-hmm. then after the election, we've seen, again, American intelligence services and the press using this event, which, you know, I mean, we were talking about it, as you guys have said, right after it happened, 
Yeah. I mean, they use this event to frame hundreds of Americans, dozens of whom are, you know, dozens of whom, as 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 Julie has, has reported um, so brilliantly, do- dozens of them have been detained without bail for a, a, more than half a year at this point. And so, what is going to what is going to stop this? Is the is the Durham investigation going to underscore the corruption of the FBI? I, I hope so. I, I think that would be a really I think that would be a really positive outcome. I, I, I don't know if it's going to happen. And again, it will highlight it for one half of the country. The other half of the country, as we've seen, appears to enjoy appears to enjoy it. Right. Yes. They are rooted. They root on yes. their sadists. Right. Well, yes. I mean, the, the, the regime is a bunch of sadist vampires. Right. <laughs> I mean, J- J- they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're sadists. And there yes. are people, you know, as we've seen in vampire movies, there are lots of people. There are lots of people in, in the press and the publicity apparatus who are Renfields. Right. They like. They, yes. they, they like this power being used against their enemies. Please, master, crush him and throw me an insect. Throw me an, well, a, a spider, master. These people are evil. Well, I mean, the, so, yes. these people are cheering on the deaths of unvaccinated people. Right. right. Like, I this, mean, you know, where what I mean. the, right. They're vampires. the narrative right. is, you know, um, pro-vaccine, that, that's, the, that's the paradigm. And if you're outside the paradigm, then... We should sell, you know, the cheering about Herman Cain. Yay. You know, like just right. so happy to cheer on the the deaths. Imagine. I mean, you have to be a real fucking ghoul to che- to do that. But just I don't want yeah. to I don't want to side sidestep us. But one I other know, but this, point. But I this think, is it because it, this totally illustrates what we're getting to. And this is yeah. what's behind Russiagate. What's behind the collusion thing. The ghoulishness of this, these yes. people. This is what we've been writing about now and talking about for five years. The more they do, the more that happens. It illustrates who they are, and it's important for us to see them for who they are. They're not the kind of people who, even if Andrew McCabe is charged and arrested, right, and 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 walked and 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 given a perp walk in an orange jumpsuit, they're not going to say, "Gee, we were wrong. Time to reevaluate our ghoulishness." I will say too, you know. Listening, especially to these prosecutors in these court hearings, what they write and what they say about regular Americans and then hearing these federal judges of both parties appointed by Trump, Clinton, Reagan, it doesn't matter. Their contempt, their hatred for regular Americans and by extension, all of us who had the audacity to go to their nation's capital on January 6th, talking about them in the most vile terms and the bloodlust that they have. Um, I mean, all you have to do is look at any tweet about Ashley Babbitt. If they could, they actually are disappointed more people weren't killed that day because there are legitimate people who feel that that most Trump supporters should be executed because we are a danger to the country and hearing what these prosecutors say, telling a man you desecrate your mere presence that day desecrated the U S Capitol, just a man who did nothing. He just walked in, was there for several minutes and left. Um, so to your point, Lee, they are sadistic. They, their bloodlust for Trump supporters, just their contempt for Americans. They, their pleasure, the pleasure that, 
the gratification that they take in seeing people, grown men, break down and cry, beg for forgiveness, explain how their lives are destroyed. They've lost their jobs. Their families have abandoned them. One man, as I've written about, I I can't get him out of my head, his church asked him to stop going there. He begged in tears. He was charged with four misdemeanors. That's all. And he begged for forgiveness from this judge, Tom Hogan, a Reagan appointee who was not moved at all and instead sentenced him to three months in prison, although the man has nothing left in his life. And just to twist the knife in his back, that's what these federal judges and prosecutors are doing. They're the they new would do Carter it to all pages. of us. Many right? times no, but they're the new they're the new Carter Pages and George Papadopoulos is right. Like these two guys kind of random, not not powerful people. Right. And they were just roadkill. Right. They were just absolutely roadkill. Who cares what you know, what was done? And now there's moving on to even weaker people. Right. Even yeah. weaker people who, you know, yes, wh- whatever we. they believe they, you know, since when is trespassing get you a jail time yeah. in this country? Um, and apparently they're running the D.C. prison like Abu Ghraib. And yeah. that's fine. You know, where are I mean, I say this a lot on the show. I'm going to say it again today because it's so important for people to remember that these people do not believe anything they say. The left, they have all sorts of gimmicks, you know, about rights and we prisoner rights. And, you know, they wanted the prisons opened up during covid and they're constantly talking about, you know, trying to get people off of death row and all this stuff. And now you have other people in prison that they don't like and they're, they don't care. You know, if they're getting beat up. Who cares? You're not getting cancer treatment. Who cares? So it's important to remember that all of the shtick and the marketing that you see from these big bleeding heart liberals, it's all bullshit. It's all a pretense to just acquire more power. So I, 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 I no, I, I think that's I, I think that's great. I think the fact that Trump, the, the whole Trump, the, the idea of Trump the last five years, these people have taken Trump and they've used him as cover to exercise their sadistic impulses. So, you know, we've spoken a lot yeah. about how it's power, but I'm starting to see it's even it's even a, a, it's even a more uh, a raw psychological um, uh, deformation. Defense. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just sadism wanting to hurt other people. And it they, they don't. Right. I mean, the fact that they're Trump supporters gives them cover to hurt these people. That kind of legitimizes, right? Oh, well, Trump's a Nazi, he's a fascist. So anyone who supports him will deserve all these different things, right? They, they're not, they're racist. So, I mean, you, you can do anything you want to a racist, right? Take their jobs, right. um, you know, stick them full of fentanyl and, 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 right, punch them and put them in, and put them in a DC jail for, you know, however long you want without bail. So it, right, it's rationalized sadistic impulses of many, many people in the country, the, their problem. And the reason that I, I, you know, that you guys think I might be too optimistic is they're sadistic, but the other half of the country is not engaged in an S&M relationship, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't sign on to be the slaves of these people. That's the way they would like to understand it. But that's not the agreement, right? The agreement or what we believe is we are equal. And if you are going to (laughs) if you are going to do these things to us, you have something else coming to you. Mm -hmm. 
right? We're, we're not going to lick your boots. That's not how this goes. And if you think that you can do these things to us, you'll see. We will see what happens. We'll see how this turns out. I'm not sure I want to be on your side. Dave, I, I know this, this is a, a David, topic yeah. close to Dave's yeah. heart. Yeah. Dave, speak <laughs> up. I mean, oh, baby. I, there's only there's only so much I can um, like so much of this I can think about before going to, you know, taking a walk to the obvious next step, which is, OK, so what are we going to do? And 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 how essentially do you solve a problem that is so, you know, dripping with contempt? I mean, you talk about I don't you know, not to be a, a, a kind of, you know, one note um uh, you know, one note, one note guy here, but like, you know, when you've got a marriage and, you know, the, the, the death knell of the marriage is, is, uh, is, is, is contempt, you know, when you have complete contempt for one another. And this is like, this is far, far beyond, you know, most people, most people get, uh, get divorced well before they want to actually kill one another. Um, which is the situation we find ourselves in now. And, um, you know, so, I mean, this is this is the kind of thing that you can't really step back from. I mean, I know you have a lot of the the, the patty cake guys who say, oh, no, you know, we need we need a, a return to bipartisanship and, and, and what have you. I'm not sure how you get that with this this type of this level of bloodlust. And I have to say, um, for a long time, I mean, just speaking for myself here, for a long time, I thought, you know what, I understand that they hate me and I kind of hate them. But. So long as they're in, you know, another country and have absolutely nothing to do with my life and no power over me, they can go and they can be and they can and, and they can do what they want. But like this is the kind of stuff, you know, um, the, the kind of stuff that you guys have just been describing now. This is the kind of stuff that kind of tips the balance in favor of, you know, in favor of, uh, you know, of, of retribution and revenge and uh you know, and and you know what people in other con- contexts call like you know whatever uh, you know the, the cycle of hatred, cycle of violence, um, and and I'm not sure how you how you kind of get out of this with the country intact. I I, I, I don't see it like you know you and I have spoken about this before. And it's a fa- it's a, it's a really important conversation, I think for 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 people to start engaging. I, I don't see it as marriage. I see it more as, you know, we've got the holidays coming up. We've got Thanksgiving coming up. And, you know, you, you, we, we can count on our friends at Slate and Vox and other places how you confront your your angry Trump supporting uncle or how you, you know, some years they'll say how to ignore him and other times how to confront him, how to how to how to poison his cornbread. Um, <laughs> right. So I, I, I see it. I see it like a family. Because there's always going to be there's always going to be trouble at that table. And the person who's in charge of the table is supposed to be like, I don't care how much you hate your cousin. Your cousin is coming to the table this year. If there's no one saying everyone's going to sit at this table and behave. Right. And like and, 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 and the rotten, you know, the rotten little creeps who are coming back from their, uh, you know, c- coming back from their semester at Wesleyan or Oberlin or whatever it is like. And that includes you, too. And if you don't, I'm going to take you behind the woodshed. And you, okay. this is a Thanksgiving you'll never forget. Because, again, these are, <laughs> these, are very, these are very weak people, right? They've been encouraged to do these things. 
So they have been they have been set up for this by their own side, which is very terrible. They needed to understand from their own people or now it's going to have to come from this. You don't speak like that. (laughs) You just don't do it. So that's how I see it. it, It's a very terrible situation. But I totally see I I see the situation that can absolutely be managed and it will depend on leadership coming from our side. Right. It's not going to be saying we need more bipartisanship. It's like, no, we no. need to make sure the people who are doing these things are going to pay and everyone's going to stand what the lines are. This is actually the law. And these are actually this is actually the fabric that holds the society together. We're not going to talk about the Constitution. We're going to talk about how people treat each other. And mm-hmm. there will be there will be a price a very steep price to be paid for people who start violating the norms that have kept this country together for uh, no, over 200 years. How do you enforce that? You know, how yeah. do you how do you enforce how do you enforce that without? I mean, obviously, the uh, the, the you know the, the media is going to consider that um, as objectionable as like you know uh, outright fascism. Because that's where they are now. So, you know, I mean, how do you deal with that? And you're going to have to you're going to have to use the federal government and the way it was designed and the way that there were supposed to be checks. Like, well, if you use the government for that, then, you know, when their guys get in charge, they're going to do it. And they're, they're going to do the same thing. That's what people that's what's going to have to happen. And this is going to last for a little while. And you're going to need to find there's it's possible to reassess the last five years and say, boy, it's a real mess, and those guys are really bad. It's possible, I mean, I think that Donald Trump was in many ways a fantastic leader and a fantastic president. There's also another, there's another way to read it, which is like, boy, things really got out of control. <laughs> I mean, he should have swatted some of these, some of these mm-hmm. characters on the, on the behind and, 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 and you know, move this, and move this along, right? There's a reason that no one ever messed with Barack Obama because Barack Obama showed people very early on what yeah. he was likely to do to opponents. And Donald Trump never did that. Donald well, Trump needed to you know show very early on what will happen if you cross the president of the United States. He, and he never did it. Nope. Okay. That, that's he true. Did not. And I, that's I agree right. with you. We've been, Julie and I are always complaining about Trump's terrible judgment on personnel and how he handled most of his presidency. Let's remember that the president comes and goes, but you have elected officials in Congress that didn't don't do a damn thing. And so on the Democrats, they go they they go balls deep. Right. You see their crazy social justice bill. They're trying to jam through and Manchin is holding up. They don't give a shit. They know people don't like their crap and they don't care. They're going to jam it through. The Republicans get in power and they don't do anything. And the reason that the Democrats know they can do the things they do or the left or this machine, this political machine knows that they can get away with the things that they get away with is because they know the Republicans are never going to do anything about it. There's no consequences for them. Right. Oh, they're going to get a mean letter. Oh, no. Bradley's going to write a letter. Oh, no. I think that the, the temperature needs to be set by the leader of the party and that the leader of the party is still Donald Trump and starting in 2000, there's no one who left that White House with even a kick me sign on his back, right? I, I mean, Trump is tweeting at Madison, tweeting at the other people. It's like, 
The idea that James Mattis is still able to sit on major boards after what that guy did at Theranos and what he did, uh, what he did during his time in the administration and after. I mean, it's just outrageous. The fact that Trump never that he never made an effort to ruin any of these people, that Michael Hayden still has contracts with the intelligence community. I mean, you know, this was up to Donald Trump or or him to say, like, look, I I, I want I want Hayden. I, I want Hayden zeroed out. He does not get another penny coming from the government while I'm here. Right. These are the kinds of things that the president of the United States can set an example in this way. And none of these things happen. John Brennan still has his security clearances. I mean, that's nuts. Right. So the one of the ways that you can understand the last the last couple of years is, you know, it's really, really bad. On the other hand, had there been someone who would have who would have taken a little more control and gotten these guys in line. I mean, they're still going to be nasty people. Right. Uh, you know, these FBI characters are still ugly people, but would they have acted the same way if they were really scared of the wrath of God? I don't know. I, I, I right. think it, I think it would have been different. Would all these people have been mouthing off? Would they all get book contracts if, if Donald Trump decided like what this guy, Mark Esper is a real pain. And you know what? I want him not just leaving the Pentagon. I want him leaving the Pentagon with a me too attached to him. <laughs> And so that guy is never going to get a job. And you know what? It's going to affect his family for generations. But that's what happens when people mess with the president of the United States. There's a price to be paid for it because I've got a because the American people elected me to run the government. And, 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 and what happened? This didn't happen. Well, you need an infrastructure to do that. You know, yep. you need that's an right. infrastructure to do that. And uh and, yeah. and unfortunately, that's not a thing that uh, well, I mean, the more you fuck the Trump president, had. the better job you got once you left. Right. Like these people. I mean, if Trump said he let's say he singled out Esper and, you know, whatever, put put a put a hit on him or metaphorically, of course, um, on him. All that would do is make him more attractive to the entire infrastructure of the political world and its orbiters, right? Then let's get them on a board of Raytheon. You know, this the, the it, it works if you're a Democrat because the structure is on your side. It doesn't work if you're a Republican because, you know, we, we don't ha- command that amount of influence anymore. I mean, you could conceivably cut them off of the government, but they would leave and just go somewhere better. I don't know. But maybe, Trump, maybe, maybe not. Trump showed weakness early, very early after he won in a couple of matters. And the most glaring one was when he fired uh, Mike Flynn or asked for his resignation, immediately signaling that he was going to go along with whatever Mm -hmm. the media and the never Trumpers on the left were going to concoct against him. So you have Jim Comey, who he's having dinner with. And if you read any of Comey's notes, to the extent that they're reliable, um, you know, Trump still he pulled punches so many times. And if he would have recognized and I think his political gut instincts are right, whether he was talked out of doing what he needed to do in an Obama ask sort of way, if he would have put tougher people in. Ch- oh, did we lose Julie? I do. We lost Julie. Oh, there she is. Julie, we just lost you, so you got to repeat yourself. I'm sorry. Oh, the whole thing or just what What was I ranting about? No, no, about? just like the last. No, just seconds. like the last. Yeah. So he but he needed like a Rahm Emanuel type and he picked Reince Priebus 
like the last person you should have picked as chief of staff. You fire Mike Flynn, but you keep Jim Comey, who is a complete weasel, as he says. I don't make weasel moves. Well, yes, you did. So early on, he set the tone that this is what he this was how he was going to conduct his White House. It was in total disarray, which, of course, it was. But he let it be that way. And at the end, when he had the opportunity those last few months, when he should have declassified everything that he said he was going to for 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 how many years, two years, um, when he could have done something, when he should have fired Bill Barr, Bill Barr should have been fired really in the summer. All of them, Millie, mm-hmm. Asper, Barr should have been fired in June when they publicly denounced the president for right. his suggestion about invoking the Insurrection Act to get cities under control. They all should have been fired. Who did he fire, really? Who did he get rid of? What message did he send that I'm the effing president and this is how it's going to be? Who who did he? He finally did it in the last. To whom? I, I, I couldn't even name any right. people that he sent a message that he was in control because he I, I really, think, for right. the most part, was not. I, I think this is really important because while we're talking about bureaucracies run wild in Washington, D.C., I mean, this is the nature of these people. They're 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 narcissists. Uh, they're sociopaths. And so it's up to people who are in charge of these organizations to keep them in line. Right. Because this this is what the nature of bureaucracy is. They're backbiting. And this, of course, had, you know, Donald Trump had no experience in the bureaucracies. So he deserves a break for that. But if you want to keep these people in line, what you're always what you want to do is you want to use their underlings. Right. It's like I've got a problem with Mattis. What am I going to do? Can you help me solve my problem with James Mattis? Right. You would go to people who are working under them who are as Andrew McCabe was with James Comey. Mm-hmm. Andrew well, McCabe as, was as they looking did for the number Cheney, one job. As they did with Cheney and Scooter Libby. Right. Right. Exactly. That's that's how they work. Right. They went to Michael Flynn to get Michael Flynn to talk about Trump. Right. I'm, I'm not saying that Trump should have known all these things. And I, I don't mean to fault him in, at at. I, I, I mean, certainly bear some responsibility for what happened. What I'm saying is, is that what has looked like a very dire situation the last few years, it, it indeed is. But let's also imagine a much, um, a much, a much better administered administration where these sociopaths, where these Washington lunatics, are kept in line, and they're afraid for their jobs. And they're afraid of the people under them, and they're afraid of the person on top of them. Um, this is uh, this is often how Washington actually functions, insofar as it does. All these people are looking out for the next guy who's going to stab him in the back. If they're not worried about that, then they're going to go after the top guy, and that's what we saw happen from 2016 to 2020. Trump's not taking it. Trump's not taking. Um, He's not taking taking a shot at us. So we got well, let's take a shot at him. There's no loss. Right. There's nothing to risk here. The next guy, Republican, has to has to make sure that people are worried about what happens if they take a shot. Look, this is not a, a pop. It's, it's not really a Republican thing. Right. George W. Bush didn't do it either. That then let me let's go in another quick direction here. So 2024. Who's the next guy? Right. Is it Trump? Has he learned anything or is it not going to be Trump? And if it's not Trump, who who is it going to be? Anyone? Anyone? 
<laughs> I don't think it's Trump. I don't think he's learned. I don't think he's learned any lessons, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, you know, some of his quasi tweets that he sends in emails, he's still focused on these little skirmishes um, and just silliness and what substance, I don't know that he's learned any lessons. I don't think you look at the last few weeks of his presidency and you see what happened in the DOJ and, you know, he had a chance to do something uh, then with Jeffrey Clark and other people who could have gone after these election illegalities. And quite frankly, the reason why we are in such a mess right now, a lot of it, you can point the finger to Donald Trump. He left us this mess. He left us Anthony Fauci. He left us this ridiculous CDC. He left us Christopher Wray. He left this mess for us. And I don't see him coming to terms with what he has inflicted on all of us, the consequences that we're living with from his weaknesses. And I just, I don't see, I don't see that he's learned any lessons. I don't know. Um, But who else is out there? I mean, there are a few who look hopeful, um, but who knows? Luckily, we have a few more years to, to get, make sure that we're, these people are fully vetted. And president is important, but so is Congress. And there's no point in returning power to Republicans if it will remain in the hands of people like Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell, it's absolutely pointless to be honest. So to me, that's an even bigger short-term focus on our side is, is ousting the weaklings uh, that we have in Republican leadership in Washington. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I think that the most important thing is to make sure that our, you know, is, is to focus uh, kind of hyper local. I mean, why waste your time with, I mean, the, the best thing, the, the best we can hope for from, uh, from Republicans in Congress is to be well-intentioned, but inept. Um, <laughs> like that's like the best case scenario. Um, but on the other hand, what we need to do, because we know, we know they're not going to use the levers of power the way the Democrats do. So like the only positive argument for, for you know, for them controlling Congress and, and I know, I mean, we, on the, we went, I, I, I guess before, uh, uh, what, six months ago, we, were, we, we had a, a similar discussion about this. Um, and, and the point that I made, which I still kind of agree with, is that like at the end of the day, you have, if Republicans um, controlling Congress wins you nothing but a brief breather and a respite from Democrat insanity, um, if that. Um, but, you know, but so so therefore I would concentrate, I would focus on making red states more red, mm-hmm. brighter red, deeper red and making purple states slightly red, you know, with with, you know, the priorities like, you know, focused heavily on the red states. Um, I mean, what the, the election that we just saw in, you know, in, in Virginia and in, and in uh, and in Jersey and then, you know, you have your other, I mean, the other election that people are talking about in San Antonio, which was a kind of big deal, um, which is a Republican wins in a Biden plus 14 district that's like, um, you know, 75 percent uh, Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that, you know, these things, these things are kind of a big deal, but I don't think we should get our, let ourselves get too worked up about them, because at the end of the day, these are still blue states and and the the lesson of Trump should be, and, and when we get wrapped up in these elections, we, we kind of forget that the lesson of Trump should be is that um, uh, one guy at the top doesn't do much. 
you need to you need to have institutional support for what you want to do. Um, we're no longer in the world where Rudy Giuliani can become the mayor of New York City and 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 take the city in a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. We've got so much entrenched hardcore ideological opposition that I mean you look at Youngkin even if Youngkin was was you know Ron DeSantis he would be uh hobbled in his ability to uh to accomplish very much I have very very little hope for for him uh you know being a uh you know being like a kind of good republican governor um just because you know you've you've got you've got the the entire machine um, against it, and that machine knows how to how, knows how to wage war and knows how to use power. And unless you start doing those things, and unless you start building those things in red states, um, you really have no shot. So I, I so yeah, so like you know, yeah. drawing a parallel between the the recent elections and the lessons of the Trump years. I I, I think, think that's a really that, good point. Yeah. Go on, I, I was just I was just going to say about the election. One of my concerns coming coming out of it right away was that you know um, we already heard talk of this. Well, here hey here's the um, here's the move going forward. Keep Trump on ice, right? Don't let him don't don't reject him, but don't let him get too close, right? Which is what Yunkin did. I'm like, there are two problems with that. The first problem is is that given the amount of Trump talk coming out of the McAuliffe campaign, it's kind of astonishing, right? He's all about Donald Trump, and yet voters still came out and voted for Yunkin, right? So it doesn't make sense what they're actually saying, right? Hey, just stay away from Trump. The other thing is we know what the Republican establishment and especially Republican donors will do with that messaging and say, stay away from Trump. And by the way, everything's going back to normal. 2024 is looking great for Nikki Haley. Boy, a Nikki, a Nikki, a, a Nikki Haley run. I, I, we, this is what America's been waiting for. So, you know, so I, I, again, I, I think it's, it's, I think we all agree that there were lots of problems with the, with the, with the Trump presidency, and, um, and there are lots of unresolved issues going forward. I, I, but I also think that we should be on the lookout for different problems coming from the leadership of the Republican Party, what what direction, because we're talking about a very aggressive, very strong, you know, pro-America stance, whether or not Trump, whether Trump is there or not. I don't think that's where these guys are. So I I, I think, you know, I think that's our big concern. That's our big concern, like who we're going to be, who are are we going to be fighting inside the Republican Party? I mean, I mean, Julie, tell me, did Lindsey Graham really say that on, about January 6th? This is what the Post is reporting, that Lindsey Graham said, why aren't you firing on those protesters? I mean, that's in the Washington Post, their extensive investigative series that they posted over the weekend. That Yeah, that's that's what he said. Um, I, would believe, I, would, I would believe that. Yeah. I would believe that in a second. I would, right. too. So I don't find so that I, hard to believe. At all. Right. So in in a sense, in a sense, we're talking about in a sense, we're talking about strong, powerful candidates, but coming from where and to do what. And this is why at different times that when we've all spoken, I said, yeah, I'm kind of more interested in in understanding this and couching this as a spiritual struggle. And our leadership will arise naturally and eventually from that. 
because right now the idea like well, Lindsey Graham said that. So what do we what, what do we do with that? Right. So what's supposed to happen? Someone says something that sinister and that rotten. And, and this is a, this is a, a Republican senator. Boy. So right. so which way do we go? You know, what, what do we what what do we do with a different, you know, with a different with the different donors and what they want and what they care about. So, I, 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 again, just to come back to politics, I, 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 I don't, that's not where the redemption of America will come from. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's a good way to end the show and <clears throat> more optimistic than normal. Um, normally we I was going to say something. I was going to jump in there. And, oh, I'm sorry. And, you know what? We can't, we no. can't break our tradition. <laughs> Take it away, Dave. No, I mean, up, Dave. you know, I mean, that is to say, you know, if there's going to be redemption, um, which, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I have my, I have my serious doubts. I mean, I am, I'm not a, I'm not a, particularly a person of faith, but um, I think that if there is redemption, on, it, it would happen on an individual basis and certainly not for um, the sick, rotting corpse that this country has become. Well, how about if we take it away from faith? I mean, okay. let's let's empty faith out of entirely. Sure. We won't talk about redemption. Let's talk about the, the dialectic, right? <laughs> History does not move. History doesn't move in a straight line. We, we know that 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 different things happen surprising things happen sure right and history takes a different takes a different course so it looks like it's heading one way now and who knew that uh whatever who knew that henry kissinger's gambit to weaken the soviet union would empower the people's republic of china so that right now american policymakers are eating out of the hands of chinese elites we didn't see that coming Right. That, I mean, that's right, not sure. good and for that's not good for America. And lots of the times the dialectic is not working in our favor. I'm just saying that there are different turns in history. And um, I'm optimistic that um, American patriots will know how to take advantage of different surprising and elegant turns in history as it continues to unfold. Yeah, I mean, I would I would agree with that, as, as a friend of mine said, you know, um, uh, um, you know, disappointed in America, but very bullish on Americans. Mm. Cool. That's a good that's a good way to put it. All right. Yes. Well, I think that's a that's a reasonably neutral way to end the show. Like I <laughs> said, normally. I think it's, we spiral I think it's optimistic. I think it's optimistic. I think that's we're all right. going to die. <laughs> <laughs> bring on the sweet meteor of death um, so thank you all for listening to happy hour this is a longer happy hour because we have our special guests and to make up for the fact that we've been missing in action um julie we should rename our podcast like next steps i really liked i think was it lee or dave mentioned we need to talk about next steps yeah i sometimes. love it yes um love it. anyway just kidding Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe. If you haven't subscribed, you can find us on iTunes, Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. And we will definitely see you next week. And thank you to our special guests, Lee Smith and Dave Reboy. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It's great Thanks, to be with guys. you. Love you guys. You you, you yeah. folks are some of, my, are some of my most very favorite people.
in the world. So it's, uh, this is wonderful. So great. Thanks for listening to happy hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week.